whistle blows and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars. Uh, away we go. Vegas Hockey Outland. Brian Blessing, Stevie Slapshot. Glad to be with you. Glad to have one of our absolutely favorite guests, good friend Dave Shane from the RJ, about to check in. Shaner! <laughs> well, hey, it's a hockey show. Bring him right in. You'll answer to the hockey nickname, right? Yeah, I've been called that before. I'll, uh, I'll actually give a shout out to somebody, a uh, colleague at the uh, at the Review Journal, Ashton Ferguson, used to used to call me that all the time. Good old Fergie. Yeah. <laughs> I should have I should have called him Fergie, huh? Yeah, slap happy's on a roll. Here. <laughs> so the Blues, the David Perron show. I mean, you know, he keeps getting new contracts based on efforts against the Golden Knights. What is it about when these two teams play? I don't know that that's the case tonight, Dave. But my memory of the first four years, these two teams get together, it's, I mean, it's Usain Bolt. Yeah, it's usually some kind of crazy ending, and it usually ends up in overtime. And then there's some wacky, like, back and forth and whatever. Like, I always think this, the, the Blues night was the start of the Misfit line, if I remember correctly, the first year. I think that might have been the first game that they were put together, and I definitely remember it was a game that, uh, William Carlson ended in overtime. Um, that was the so, game, yeah, I believe. Always... I believe that was Oscar Dansk, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I got hurt. Suvan came in, or was it the other yeah, way around? No, I remember that night like it was ten minutes ago, because it was it was early in the year, and I remember between the second and third periods, you're sitting to my left. The period ends. I get up. I'm walking to my right. Here comes Gary Lawless the other way, and I remember saying to him. I think old George's plans changing, you know, by the minute, because St. Louis murdered Vegas in the second period, murdered them, and all of a sudden there were two. Uh, there was a late power play. Vegas got Vegas scored, and then as was their custom, scored again, and like St. Louis went off the ice. Like what just happened? You know, I mean, but and that was a, again another one of those nut bar back and forth games. Yeah, I mean, like you said. To start off, I mean that's that's what these guys seem to always always stage for us. Um, I, I know I had a friend I can't remember who it was, but somebody had said last year when they were choosing like season tickets, you know, with their buddies, they like divvy them up or whatever. That they went for the Blues games because every time that the the Knights and the Blues play, it's some you know crazy end up you know walking out of there like holy cow type of type of game. So. Yeah, we'll see if it's like that tonight. I I think if the, uh, you know, based on what Pete DeBoer has said lately, and and you know, at least I was asking a little bit about it. And a couple it guys, it ain't the plan. Mentioned it. They're gonna well, they're gonna have to. They might not be racehorse hockey. This might have to be three two, you know, two one for a little bit here with uh, Pacioretty and Mark Stone out. Well, I don't know how this is all gonna pan out, but at the moment, even even with those guys in, before they got hurt. I'm looking at the Golden Knights, and I'm kind of looking at them like I'm looking at Boston, you know, where they're top-heavy. The first two lines, Boston's all about the first line, and the third and fourth line's kind of a work in progress. In in past years, the third and fourth line, big contributors here. But at the moment, Vegas seems top-heavy, 
And now if you're to Marjusso, Carlson, and Smith, you know, what do the Blues do to negate them? And then where do the goals come from after that? And the question is, with all the energy in the building, can Vegas bring themselves to play a dump and chase game? Because that's what was required against Montreal last year, and they wouldn't do it. Yeah, I think they were a little stubborn against Montreal. I think there was an element of just feeling like maybe that they didn't have to do that against a team that they probably felt like they were superior to. Um, and I think there might be an element of that in the regular season where, you know, maybe some games, some teams, you're not going to want to do that as much. You're not going to show as much respect to you. You're going to let your talent, you know, try to take over and, and see if they can get you two points. Uh, you know, maybe, yeah, I think there's going to be a little feeling out process, you know, for the Knights and that and kind of finding their identity here for a little bit, you know, for a couple weeks or whatever day-to-day, between day-to-day and week-to-week or however Mark Stone is, uh-huh. is turned here. Um, you know, so I, it might be a little bit where they're going to have to go out and, and figure things out on the fly. And, you know, what exactly does that mean? Pete, you know, Pete DeBoer kind of actually talked about that again you know, this morning and, and using the whole, you know, I'm going to try to use the, the Canadian accent uh, about the, how they're focused on the process uh, right now and <laughs> well not, necessarily, not necessarily the results, um, you know, which will kind of take care of themselves as he as he thinks, you know, but, but really, you know, they need to, according to him, focus on, you know, work ethic and their foundation and being hard to play against, you know, a lot of those buzzwords for, you know, playing a little tighter, a little closer checking, you know, game and relying on defense and relying on goaltending. So, you know, we'll see if that's what they try to do against, you know, St. Louis tonight or, you know, if they say, hey, we, we still feel like we're deep enough and, and let's roll and, you know, see if we can go punch for punch. I just want you to know, I think the RJ is a wonderful organization. <laughs> well, thank you. I do too. You know, I love my paycheck. It's, it's part of part of my daily schedule to read your stuff. He just took my word. Schedule. I was yeah. gonna, I was gonna go with schedule. So, uh, Dave, tonight uh, we know that uh, Stone and Pat's ready are out. Is is Howden in? And what is the status of Carrier and um, and Wall right now? In, in, in. Whoa! At least according to DeBoer. I like that. Um, he, yeah, he expects all three of them to be available. They were, they were also part full participants in practice yesterday, which admittedly I was at the doctor's office, so I was not there. Uh, but full disclosure on that. But you know, obviously from Ben Goats and other reporters, um, they were all on the ice. Uh, they were, I believe, one. Yeah, definitely Wa, definitely Carrier. I'm trying to just make sure. Definitely Howden. In my head, they were all three on the uh, on the ice morning skate, you know, as well today. So it looks like they'll all be good to go, um, with uh, most likely Krebs and Lecision in there as well. Do you have any idea what the lines are now with uh, with Stone and Patchetti out and those guys back? You know, who who moves up? Well, I can give you a guess based on the way that they were skating yesterday. Um, I would expect the. Misfit line to stay together. Right. Uh, you can put them as either the first line, second line, however, however you want to do it. I think is, you know, right. whatever. It looked like they had Waugh at right wing with Stevenson and Dodonov on either the first or second line. Okay. The other way, uh, third line: Patrick Kolasar, Krebs, 
And then fourth line Lecision with Carrier Howden. And then all the defense is expected to be the same with Robin Leonard, your starting goaltender. Third line, it looks interesting, David, and I know they're they're hoping for production, but you know, especially in this whatever we're deeming between day to day and week to week meaning. Patrick Colasar and Krebs is an interesting combination. Can it produce is the question. Yeah, maybe. I So there seems to be an interesting chemistry with Nolan Patrick and Keegan Colasar. And if you go and you look up the analytics, and when I looked at it, like, there's, they're they're not as strong, and, and like it felt like maybe what you see on the ice isn't necessarily quite reflected in the numbers. But it was something that I remember asking Keegan Colasar about a few days ago, and I loved his answer because he made kind of a joke about how they're. He said they're both from God's country, uh, which is Manitoba. They're both Manitoban, um, and who, they who, know who each isn't other. who isn't over there? <laughs> exactly. So apparently they've got some familiarity and they've trained together in the summer and they've known each other for a while. Uh, so, you know, there might just be something there. And, you know what, here's the other thing, too, and, and I don't want to crack on Nolan Patrick too hard here because I think, I, I think to be fair, he, he hasn't really shied away from contact or anything like that. But that being said, what it feels like is when he's got somebody like Colasar, a bigger body kind of doing a lot of the grunt work and puck retrieval and, and taking on a lot of the the physical, you know, play and being that first guy in, take the body and let Nolan Patrick, you know, take the puck on the forecheck, those types of things. It seems like he plays off of that type of winger better. It didn't seem like the Donov and Yanmark really really were kind of clicking. It felt like when Kolasar was out there with him, even in the preseason, that that's sort of what he needed. And it gives him maybe a little bit more room and a little bit more freedom to, to try to, you know, play his game. I, I just, you know, the, the criticism, and, and again, I'm gonna, I'll keep going on this, but I, I just have huge question marks about him and how much productivity, you know, they're going to get from him this season and then just, the third line in general for you know the next eighty games here. I'm with you on that, Dave. I, your thoughts on uh, on Lecision? On the, I, he, he's a fourth liner right now, and 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 I don't think he should be any higher than that. But I'm I'm a little pleasantly surprised with his play so far uh, in the preseason and, and the first uh, couple of games here. Yeah, I'll give him credit because you know I mean anybody can go call me out on this. I'm on record. Like I did not think that he was a guy that was developing. Very rapidly, he was a guy that when I've seen in training camp especially, I haven't been all that wild with. I'm with you there. That's why I'm pleasantly surprised. I I thought the same thing. He doesn't have a very strong shot. He did like he just even his face, like you look at you look at his face, so like I'm gonna veer off on this just really quick. Like I have a friend whose daughter is a soccer player and she's going through the recruiting process and you know, I'm like kind of helping them through it a little bit and you know like one of the things i'm going through and you like you can see the rosters you can see the faces and you see the kids that just look really young and then other kids who look mature jake decision why i bring this up is he still looks baby face he does he still looks young 
and he was drafted 2017. So, like, as much as I want to sit here and be like, oh, you know, well, he's not really getting it. Like, I think all along he was a kid, and he might just be ahead of schedule, actually. Like, he might be a kid that wasn't going to ever, you know, well, really make an impact you know, at 23, oh, hey, oh, by the way, and, and maybe he's making an impact a little early. So, but the whole first, on him. the whole first year was a throwaway, Dave, with a knee injury. Right, right, right. Now, here's the other thing, too. And and I think if I'm going to try to guess and project him out a little bit and and put on my scouting hat, I think he is a bottom six guy, and I I don't say that as as negative. I think he's just I think that's his game. I it's think his he's game. A reliable. Yeah. I, I think he's a reliable center. I think he's a checking type center. You know, he's going to win faceoffs and and do those types of things. I don't think he's a big offensive type guy. I think he's got some skill in him. If you put him in a spot, you know, he can finish. I thought he did a good job in L.A., that early chance, and even though he wasn't able, you know, to, to put it away, but getting himself in the, into that area and, and being able to, you know, be Johnny on the spot for, for at least one look. Um, so if he continues to do that, then, yeah, he's got a chance. But, yeah, yeah I, he's somebody that I did not think would be an NHL player and really questioned it um, and thought he might even – you know, use the the bust word, you know, a little bit with him to be quite honest. So, so the fact that he had such a good training camp and he's you know broken through and is a guy that they're giving a look at here and, and maybe somebody down the road, you know, can continue to you know be a call guy, be a Patrick Brown type guy. Then now that he's not here, you know, yeah, kudos to him and, and his hard work. He's a guy with with a good hockey IQ and and, and moves the puck well. I think he I, I think he can contribute in the bottom six, Dave. Yeah, I think it's. I still think it's a little long term. You right, know, I still right. think he's a little off, and I think some of the injuries and and things may have expedited this process a little bit for him. But you know, the fact that he's you know moved up the list, the fact that he's near the top of that you know call up sheet, I guess you know whatever you want to call it. You know, when things happen, like that speaks to what he's done. And you know what? To be fair to to Romberg as well. You know, we talked about him. Yes. Stevie, you know, last time I, I believe I was on, and, you know, I kind of said I, I just I wasn't sure, haven't really seen him, don't know, you know, but he's a guy that they obviously liked in training camp and, and felt okay about, you know, putting on a fourth line and, and saying, okay, you know, go be responsible for nine, ten minutes. So overall, you feel a little bit better about the forward depth? I feel a little better about the forward depth with this organization. Yeah, a little bit, and I think the the guy, too, that – you know, we have to kind of consider, excuse me, in all of this at some point is Jack Dugan, because my understanding is, you know, he's nursing a minor uh, lower body injury. And that's why that first game that even though he was on the roster that Dorofeyev had to play, because Dugan was actually hurt, he's, he's unavailable. So once he gets into the mix, too, and he's back in there and you start, you know, talking about him as a potential call-up, you know, along with some of these other guys, you know, yeah, it's young and it's inexperienced, but, you know, there's talent, and I think you'd have to feel pretty good about the future at the very least. It's so early, Dave. It's a couple of games, and injuries are part of this. But we're looking at Montreal, 0-4. I mean, they're playing themselves out of this real fast, and that can happen. Uh, you know, Vegas, where they reside, organizational depth, it's being called on now. Um... This is an intangible, goofy question. I don't even know how you answer it, but you're there. And we're, we're on the air all the time. Like we're, it's hard for us to get there. What's the mood of the bunch? Seems the same. 
wouldn't say it's any like significant different high or low or or anything like that i think i think the one thing that stands out maybe a little bit is just the recognition that you know for that first week and then obviously they're banged up a little bit right now but just their you know their game wasn't where they wanted it and i don't know if it was that element of you know thinking they can flip the switch to start the regular season and and kind of not being able to but it was funny. I one of the questions I asked today it was kind of a follow up to just you know a question about the five days off and and are they ready to play? I asked them, you know, like is there going to be any rustiness you guys have to work out or is it you know too early in the season for that? And he, Pete DeBoer kind of joked, I was like, well, we couldn't be any more rusty than we were Thursday in L.A. So you know, <laughs> yeah, really. Um, yeah, so I, I think there's just a recognition that, especially that game, um, that there were maybe some signs, you know, a little bit earlier. Robin Leonard used the the red flag phrase, you know, on Thursday after the game, and I, you know, I think it's a little strong. And I think it was kind of a, it was going around Twitter this like weird red flag thing. So I felt like that was just on his mind, and and he decided to use that phrase. Um, I wouldn't go so far as to like you know, worry or panic, and they're certainly not. But I think there's a recognition, at least early on, that, you know, they have to they had to adjust some things, and they had these five days to, you know, maybe tweak a little bit and talk about some stuff, even though they've, you know, got some injuries to deal with as well, obviously. Dave Shane's our guest, Vegas Hockey Holland, AM 1400 KSHP, our good friend from the RJ. Mike is on the line, has a question for Dave. Hi, Mike. I do, and Dave, it was a pleasure meeting you at practice the other day. Yeah, it was great meeting had, you, too. It was. It was a nice chat. Uh, I, d- I do want to say a couple of things, uh, since it's the 90th day, uh, 90th birthday, if he were still with us, of Mickey Mantle. We, uh, we have found that uh, replacing good players is good maybe for a short period, like Ross Machido was going to be the next great Mantle. It doesn't work long-term, and I think that's true in every single sport. And there's a difference between rust and corrosion. And what happens over time, to in my way of thinking, in anything I've ever watched, is that you're, you go a while, maybe a week, maybe a month, with part-time players who weren't quite good enough to make the major leagues that year, and then it all starts to fall apart. Are we in danger of that over time? So I would say, and, and yeah, I'm kind of, I'm, not, I'm terrible at math, but I'm a believer in the math. And I feel like, so if you mean over time, are you you're referring to within this season, Mike? Or are you talking about yeah, I'm the next saying three, that four we, years? You no, know, oh no, no, I can't begin to project that far down the road. But can we win, can the Golden Knights, and I'm a fan, so I can say we, and nobody can yell at me. Can we win? Oh, yes, we people? can. No, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I used to be in the media, but I'm going to be a fan now. <laughs> anyway, the point is this. Ron Berg and all the people that are contributing, and may contribute for the next week or two or three, you cannot count on them in February, or you cannot count on them in December even, I don't think. And by the way, did I hear that Cody Glass already got sent down? Yeah, that's correct. Wow. That's a stunner. Oh, and here, here's one here one, one more for you. Uh, apparently, Eric Brandstrom's on the trade block. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah. 
Um, and Flurry's so, off to the worst start of his career. <laughs> Jeez. And, 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 the, and the coach in Chicago is getting booed out of the arena. No, that was um, awful last night. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the yeah the, they're they're building a new logo uh, at Center Ice in Chicago. There's like dead flowers around the rim. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> oh, terrible! Well, well I, I, I do want to get your thoughts. I'll jump in, in on, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Mike. You bet. So I, I don't. Yeah, I think long term that would be a concern. I think if Romberg and Lasician and you know, those guys are going to have to be relied on in February, then that would be a concern. I think for two, three weeks, they've got enough depth up front still if that Carlson March so Smith line, you know, is able to produce and carry some of that offense. And then the other side of this, too, I think goes back to the conversation, you know, we had at the start, you know, Brian, Stevie, myself here about, you know, kind of their identity. And being a team that is comfortable winning, you know, 3-2 and 2-1, if they're getting, you know, the goaltending, and certainly their defense right now is intact. So if that's something that they're able to kind of adjust and, you know, take on and get some confidence that they're able to win some games like that, you know, uh, some of this I think is going to be about treading water a little bit and staying afloat, you know, staying, staying where they need to be within touching distance. And, you know, until some of those guys get back, you know, and then, and then hopefully making a run, you know, at that point. I think the danger and, and I think where Mike's looking and, you know, the, the pessimistic fan maybe is if, if this team struggles at this point without two-thirds of its first line, it could get into a hole where then they're scratching and clawing and chasing the rest of the season, and then you're running the risk of, Overusing guys, overusing Robin Leonard, uh, you know, anything like that. So I, I do think it's a crucial stretch here. I do think they need to, you know, again, just, you know, stay close, maybe try to play at the very least here, 500 hockey for, you know, a couple weeks and, and then kind of get to the finish line, you know, get Mark Stone back and, and then, you know, see what kind of movement forward they can make at that point. Well, you know, and the other thing is, you know, the schedule. At least they've got these games at home, albeit uh, you got some pretty decent quality here in the next little bit, and not too far away. Uh, you got a four-game Eastern road swing: right. Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, Detroit. Uh, you know, on paper, doesn't look like a bunch of world beaters, but Montreal's desperate. Detroit's clearly better. Toronto's no ham sandwich, so. You know, I mean, you're trying to do a little more than just tread water at home here, but you're playing St. Louis, Edmonton, and the Islanders. Yeah, and they become crucial points. You know, they they become games that, you know, when you start to look at the end of the year and if you're only up by a few points, down by a few points, you know, these are the games and this is the stretch where, you know, you point to and you say, you know, they either struggled there and that's what put them in this hole, or if they were able to, you know, survive it, you know, I think that would be a key point, you know, going back and, you know, stay at the Olympic break, looking back and seeing, okay, how did they, how did they make it through not having their two leading scorers? Because I think there's a lot of teams that are ill-equipped 
for that situation. And as much as they do their salary cap gymnastics, as much as they have to do things like play, you know, Dorofayev in the opener and all that, it's it's because now they've still got, you know, a Petrangelo to lean on and a Shea Theodore and a March or so Carlson Smith line and, you know, and a number one goalie still. So I, I think it's going to have to be a little bit different in, in the way that they go about getting two points each night, but still, still a lot of talent there. Well, again, everything around here, you know, it's been Primrose Lane. There have been doses of adversity, but you know, we'll see how they fight through this. But the funny thing is, all you got to do is look around the league, Dave, and okay, you know, forgive me, you know, make a punk joke. But, I mean, Chicago, I thought, had the best offseason of anybody. And they're 0-4. Flurry's 0-3. 5-6-3 goals against. 8-40 save percentage. And a lot of that, not his fault. Chicago's been brutal at the start of games. Montreal's 0-4. I mean, you know, teams can really dig themselves a hole. And it can be very precarious. I mean, you have to be careful. You, you say, oh, it's a speed bump. Sometimes these things just fester and grow into something even worse. It becomes even more malignant. So if you remember the second season, I think they were somewhere along the lines of like 9, 10, and 1 when Nate Schmidt was yep. out with his suspension and they were kind of just and, slogging along. And you know, Cody, e- right. Cody Eakin saved the day. Yeah, a little bit, but they but for the start there they were they were they were struggling, and I actually remember it. I feel like it might even have been a St. Louis game where they they got booed off the ice during a period or at the end, or I, I know it was a game where it was just was that the New know, Jersey felt, game? Uh, no, I don't, no, I, don't the, remember. The, I feel like the, it was St. Louis. Okay, the only game I remember oh. them getting booed off the ice was they were down four nothing. After one to the Kings, yeah. It, this I I remember that game as well. But this one, this one I remember specifically because it was we. There was a game that we were looking at the secondary ticket market, <laughs> and it had plummeted. Really, and, and we were yeah, and we were joking. We were talking because it was you know second season. And it was like oh gosh, these fans are already you know jumping off the bandwagon. And they're five hundred team, and everybody's you know leaving ship or whatever, and. And so I remember, like that. There was a moment. There was a stretch. There was that moment where, you know, they they were not playing well, and the fans were kind of like, eh, you know. But that. But I bring it up because the whole rest of that year they were trying to get out of that hole, and it took one good stretch through like December, January, where they got hot. But they had the, they wore out Flurry. He, he ended up getting hurt at the end of that year. If you remember, he missed like the last. You know, handful of weeks going into the postseason, and then like, you know, suddenly showed up and was a okay. Um, so I, I just I think that's what they want to avoid. They don't want a season like that where you got to scratch and claw and fight to get out of the early season hole that you put yourself in. So Dave, we've talked about <clears throat> how they didn't uh, play the game we would have liked to see them play against Montreal. I've always felt. That, that this team is better, you know, even if Stone and Pacioretty are in the lineup, to start the game with the dump and chase, you know, get the cycle going, be good on the four check, you know, you get up a goal or two, and then the ice opens up, and Brian said that before too. Are they 
And you're not in the locker room. This may be tough for you to answer. Do you think they might be more acceptive of playing that style now with Stone and Pacioretty out, realizing that that's what they really need to do? I mean, maybe now, yeah. You know, I think that's that's part of the adjustment and part of realizing their identity has to change right now and that they're trying to win games differently. I think the hard part with that is, you know, a little bit of, of you grow up and, like, dump and chase hockey is is kind of like, it's like defensive hockey. It's, it's, you know, it's like sitting back in soccer. It's like running the ball and punting and playing defense in football. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, it's what you do. Nobody likes like playing almost, it. Yeah, you almost try to level the playing field a little bit with it, and you're just trying to keep the game close and, and not let the other team skate you out of the building and things like that, you know? So, so I think even at the NHL level, and again, obviously not in the locker rooms, you know, hearing the right. scoutings and, and all that, like you said. But but I think there's got to be an element of, like, look, there's certain teams that's just like, look, we're better than, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'll just I'll just use, like, Anaheim just because they've been, sure. you know? Like, I don't think you play dump and chase hockey in Anaheim because I just think, you know, it's like, go. You're better. Go. Beat them. You know, go play your game. Beat them. Uh, so... I do think it's a little bit of game to game. I do think you're trying to put together a game plan, you know, for certain games, for certain teams. But, yeah, I think overall I I would expect to see more of it. There's just lines the way that they are now that play better that way, that are going to play better that way. Well, let me ask you because, all right, March so Carlson Smith. We'll see what's in. So, like, them, that's not a dump and chase line, really. Right, right. right. But everybody else can be. But I guess let's see what St. Louis does identifying, okay, that's the line. How will they be able to, you know, from a matchup perspective, Vegas gets the last change. What will they do to try to defend them uh, in, in other teams in the next few games? And a coach can only do so much. He can say, hey, here's how I want you to play. I want the dump and chase. Uh, be physical in the forecheck, yada, yada, yada. But the one thing that he does control Dave, and we've seen him do it before. And it's probably something that bears watching, and it certainly depends how the game's going to go. But might DeBoer, does he have to be cautioned not to go over the top, but might DeBoer not be a mad scientist behind the bench during the game and start juggling lines? I mean, I think it's always an option. I think he's a coach who's shown he's willing to do it. I think Part of the problem is, if I'm him, I feel like maybe I'm hamstrung a little bit how much I can juggle or how I'm juggling because of who's in, who's available and who's in the lineup. You know, like you got Krebs and you got Lasician. You're trying to figure out, okay, are they playing well? Are they guys that you know are earning minutes, or do I have to shorten my bench? Do I have to you know go down to three lines and maybe just rotate Howden in? Rotate Carrier in, something like that, or you know, or you're playing Krebs at like a fourth line center for a shift or something. Like, you know, yeah, I think you can get creative, but there's only so much he can really do right now because it's not like you've got Stone and Pacioretty and you're like, okay, well these guys aren't playing well, and let's try Donov up there and and you know stretch out the lines and and you know put three three scoring lines out there or something like that. They can't even do that right now. He doesn't even have that option. So I, I think, yeah, within the game, I, if you're looking at 
that things you don't like, you can always change it. I think there's the option right now, especially with Peyton Krebs. Like, maybe I'll take this conversation there. I think if we're going to talk about anybody, like, there's a potential where if you see Peyton Krebs playing well, and you bump him up, you know? I mean, he's a top six type talent, so maybe Waugh. I'm just, I'm just throwing names out there, you know? Maybe, like, you move Waugh off and somebody else, you know, and him on or something like that. So I think you can see it. I think it's possible, but if I'm him, I'm maybe a little more hesitant to do it because of, you know, who's at my disposal. And maybe I'm just trying to, you know, alter ice time as opposed to, like, really alter the lines and the combinations, I guess you could say. I'm with you on Krebs. Does that make sense? I don't, I don't know. No, no, it, it does. And, and, and I'm with you on Krebs. He, he is a top six talent. And, and you know, if, if and when you have the option, you know, to, to put him on one of the top six lines and mix him in, you know, see who he plays well with. I'm, I'm all for that. This, this can be dangerous too, uh, uh, Dave, but do you think the defensemen, especially, the, you know, the more gifted offensive defensemen, uh, feel – no, no, not pressure. But do, do you think that they are more likely to jump in now, even even more aggressive um, than they have been under DeBoer? Yeah, and it's something that they've talked about and wrote a story about it today in the RJ, you know, with regard to Theodore, because he addressed it too. Uh, Petrangelo and Martinez, we've already seen, and, and they've been pretty open about this willingness to sort of almost play positionless hockey, and it reminded me a little bit of, you know, Colorado. In that sense, and, and just, you know, Martinez and Petrangelo's, you know, willingness to go wherever they need to go and, and trusting, you know, that the forwards that are out there can cover the point and if they get into a spot, you know, are able to skate backward and slow things down enough to disrupt the rush and, you know, not give up a, a chance going the other way. Uh, I do think it's something that they want to do. I do think that's a way to make up for the lack of offense maybe that might be up front, you know, is to get it from the back end. Uh, and, and, again, like, that's where the talent still remains. Like, none of those guys are hurt. Those guys are all, you know, high-end guys, probably, what, two of them going to be, you know, Olympians, and I don't know if Martinez will be, but, you know, he's it, no slouch either. So, it, it I, feel, I think – oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, it, it feels like all of them, have have except for McNabb, maybe you know the ability to go up there and contribute offensively, you know, in in the right spot right now. Hague has. Yeah, you, I'm really impressed with Hague so far this year. Yeah, you pick your you pick your spots, and um, you know, I think you're always worried. You don't want to get caught up. Maybe you're you're thinking defense first a little bit more. Right. But, but I do think when the puck is going the other way and you see the opportunity knowing that they're going to need offense, you know, if it's there, yeah, you, you, I think they're, they're definitely going to be looking for those opportunities and looking for those holes, you know, when there's, when there's opportunities that present themselves, I was going to try to say something else, but um, I do want to say something else real quick um, because Elliot Friedman mentioned this as well. And I actually want to, like put this out there as well because this is also my understanding. So like it was kind of put out there the whole Peyton Krebs thing and him being untouchable. But you know like Nick Hayes' name apparently was kind of floated around 
too about a potential whatever with Eichel. And, like, my my understanding with that is pretty much what Elliot wrote, that Nick Hague is not going anywhere. Like, they're not trading Nick Hague. So I, I think to Stevie's point and, and his development and what he's shown, I definitely think the Knights feel like they have something rare in a 6'6 defenseman who can, you know, use his reach, play with a little bit of an edge, but, you know, use that size in the offensive zone as well. Like, you don't find guys like that. So I don't think they're 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 not willing to give him up at this point. Well, that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Well, David, when that first draft clicked at the top of the second round, and you got Glass, Suzuki, Branstrom, I'm sitting there going, I don't know about those guys. We'll see. But that kid is a 10-year NHL defenseman with that frame. And once he grows into his body and skates, I mean, and he's getting better every game. Yeah, and like not to repeat myself too much, but you just don't find guys like that. They're hard to find. They're, like Those are rare. A couple of years ago, Pacioretty used the, the Chris Pronger comparison. And I'm, you know, I, I don't... I don't think Nick Hague has shown quite that edge, like the physical kind of like get out of my face sort of attitude that Pronger certainly had. Um, like you just look at the size and you look at the range, you know, and some of the things that he can do. Well, I don't, I don't and, see anybody running up to him, challenge him. You know, no. I think they're looking at him like, yeah, someone else. I, I think I feel like he got into one last year and it was like, okay, all right, you know. He did. He, yeah. Yeah. he knows what he's doing. Hey, we um, get, real quick, because I, I want you to plug your podcast. Uh, I want to squeeze another call in. Tony's on the line. Hi, Tony. Hello. Go for it, Tony. Hey, guys. Hey, Brian. Hey, Stevie. Um, I'm not trying to be sky is falling guy, but this is a disaster. And <laughs> as long as it's not sky is falling, Tony. <laughs> but here's the problem. They're going to have to win a bunch of 3-1 games, 2-1 games. And I, I'm not, again, not trying to be negative. This goalie has not shown any signs that he's going to give up one goal a game, ever. And the other problem is he can't play every game. So we have this backup to deal with. Um, I just, I got a feeling that this, this whack job management is going to dump the team and try to go get Eichel. And if you get Eichel, you lose four guys. So, I don't know. I just wanted to hear what Dave and you guys had to say. Have a great day. Always a pleasure, Tony. Thank you, buddy. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, Dave, the sky is not falling. I just looked. (laughs) I'm looking out my window, too. It's a nice day. Um, I don't think Robin Leonard has played up to his capabilities the first two games. I'll definitely say that. that being said, I still feel like Robin Leonard deserves the benefit of the doubt in terms of what he's done over the last three years and just what the numbers bear out and what they say. So for now, you know, Agree. We, I, I think I think you know you, you have to go on the assumption that they're going to get good goaltending at this point, and if they don't, then obviously it becomes a conversation point and it becomes a major talking point. Um, but I think, you know, until we see that, you know, over the next stretch here, 
at least for me, I'll I'll hold off on like sounding any alarm bells like quite yet. I yeah, I'm, I'm I, not I, looking. Put I, it I, that, after these two games, I ain't looking at the goaltending. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the Seattle game was like I didn't like that second goal. Didn't I, I know Leonard really didn't like that third goal, and then just the LA game didn't feel like he got much help anyway, shape or form. So like, you know, I, I don't want to. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not going to put it on the goaltending quite yet. Not a not a Leonard guy, but we got we got to hang in there with him. You're right; his numbers have been good the last three years. So so we need to hang in there. The, the defense needs to play better in front of him. So tell him about the podcast. Yeah, we actually uh, are going to still record that this week, so we'll get a fresh one out there for everybody uh, at ReviewGeneral.com with the backslash podcast. Uh, Golden Edge with Ben Goat. So do you want do you want Stevie? You want Stevie to jump in and uh, and record an open and you know, like here's Shaner, or, or, or would you or would you rather have a high quality podcast? Well, Ben does a, ben does a great job. I uh, Larry uh, Mir, our producer, does a great job, and I do a terrible job. So I'm sure Stevie or anybody's help that that we could get would certainly be an improvement over me. That's for darn sure. I'm I'm available. You you, you got my number. If you ever need help, let me know. Hey, give me real quick, Dave, a quick twirl around the league um, during this little break the Golden Knights have had. What's caught your eye around the league? You know what? I'm going to be really honest. I took a break, too. Good for I you. Wasn't really, I really wasn't watching um, a whole lot. I, I, but you know what caught my eye? You, you know what did? Because God bless you there, Brian. You're Buffalo Sabres. <laughs> And and my friend Donnie Granado here, three and zero. That's I, impressive. I, I, I got to say, I, I got to be. I'm going to answer your question. That, that's where I'll go. To be, to be it's, frank, it's a remarkable thing. I'm watching the games, and I'm like, okay, this is happening. There's there's no one really you can count on to put the puck in the net. Five on five, they're just they're playing keep away. Their best defense is they get it deep and cycle the puck, and it's only three games, and they've only played, what was it, Arizona, Montreal, and Vancouver. They get Boston Friday. But they're out working teams, Dave, and God bless them. I mean, you know, these guys are doing the level best they can, and hockey's an effort sport. And you can't carp and moan as long as you get an effort. Yeah, it feels like they're responding to Granado, and it feels like, I'm sure they want some resolution themselves, but it feels like they just now they can focus on going forward, and they know Eichel's, you know, rearview mirror to some extent. I think that helps too. If you're going to take looking, a, if you're going to take a break, Dave, this was the time to do it. I've seen a lot of sloppy hockey. I don't know why that is right now, but the Knights are the, not the only team, you know, not having it together right now. Yeah, it's early. It's early. early. I hear the bro- I hear the broadcasts are the same way on uh, ESPN and TNT. So. Yeah, we'll see how that all all shakes out too. Yeah, the one the ones you get to see. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. What, what, what? I'm sorry. The game five of the finals is on ESPN Plus. What? Where's your seven dollars? <laughs> oh well, it is what it is. He is the one, the only David Shane. He does such an incredible job covering the Golden Knights, and he is our Jimmy Olsen. We love him for doing it. So. We started with it. We'll end with it. Thanks, Shaner. (laughs) 
You got it there, uh, Sp- BB. Sparky. Know, what do we go with? Uh, double B, BB, Sparky. Yeah. I've answered to a lot of things. <laughs> some, some of them have a lot of letters in them, but we'll leave that for another day. Hey, bud, have a great day. Thank you. You got it. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks to Dave for jumping in on board with us. And Stevie, always good fun, bud. Have a good evening, Brian. All right. Enjoy the game. Don't forget, Terrible Herb, spin that wheel for the VGK Game Day giveaway and the Adam Cutner power play when the game faces off.